Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey everybody, this is Doug from No Meat Athlete Radio, and today I'm joined by Matt Tolman, and we have another exciting interview coming up. Right, Matt? Yeah, yeah, I'm really happy to share a conversation with Chef Mark Reinfeld, one of the, uh, yeah, just a great friend, um, uh, just an incredible human, um, and a great chef, and you know, if I'm being honest, I was kind of worried because chefs may not be um, the great interview that, that you're looking for. And, and this really surprised me. Like he had answers to all of my questions and really practical tips. And, and I have to like, I'm not even kidding. I walked away from the conversation, like excited to try some stuff in the kitchen, <laughs> which is not usually a place that I play. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to share this with all of you. That's, that's funny. Uh, a couple of years ago we interviewed the Buddhist chef and, um, Matt Frazier and I were in the same boat. We were like, man, I just don't know if this is going to be any good. Like what's, what are we really going to talk about? And we both left and left the episode just so fired up and thinking it was one of the best episodes we had done in a really long time. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that Mark has, uh, provided that same excitement for you. Yeah, no, it's like I asked, you know, um, why don't my salads ever taste as good as like the $13 salads that you get at a restaurant, right? <laughs> you know, like, um, and he had some really great recommendations. You know, I, I asked, you know, what, what is, uh, you know, a, a super simple but really impressive dish, you know, so like something I could make, but, yeah, but that would impress, you know, my wife if like it was our anniversary or something. And, and yeah, like he was just, yeah, crush up some macadamia nuts like anyone could do that like you know throw them onto uh um you know a a a portobello mushroom or something like and you've got yourself a a macadamia encrusted portobello and like when you think (laughs) about it like that's not that hard right you just you you crush the nuts like you know you you get the portobello wet you know the nuts stick to it throw it in a frying pan like so I, i was like i said i was really impressed with uh how um, you know how many practical tips he was able to provide, and and obviously as a, a really cool story, we talked about like you know his his upbringing inspired by his uh, um, wheelchair uh, grandfather wielding a uh, chainsaw carving ice sculptures. So just to give you a little little teaser, um, super super interesting story. <laughs> All right, awesome. I look forward to hearing it. Um, cool. Well, with that, why don't we just jump into the interview? Um, today, our our sponsor is is one of our own products, Compliment. Yeah, Compliment. I'm sure most in the audience have have heard that story. It's a, a product that um, we came up with four years ago now or so, and uh, it was really the uh, sort of scratch your own itch. Um, I had had some really unsettling blood test after being vegan for uh, a few years and there really wasn't a good answer except for um, I wasn't getting some of those harder to find nutrients. You know, I had listened to, um, you know, the forefathers of, of vegan nutrition, you know, uh, T. Colin Campbell, Esselstyn. And, and if you look back at their earliest books, right, there was not a lot of discussion 
of even things like B12, right, which is critically important to your nervous system health and just not something that you're going to get in your plants, right? And, and that's, that's not even like a, you know, a, a carnivore and, and a, a plant thing. It, it, it's more so like, you know, it's really important and you just want to be, you know, extra careful to get that, right? And, and the story continues, obviously, even more so with like selenium, right? Not all of us eat a Brazil nut, you know, or, or zinc, right? There's blocking agents called phytate. So we really spent quite a long time, me and Matt Frazier, um, you know, diagnosing sort of what are the nutrients, what are the patterns of eating, what are the kind of typical profiles you see in terms of the intake of those vitamins and minerals and what, what is that perfect insurance policy um, to ensure that you thrive on a plant-based diet? And so that's why we call it a complement, right? It complements the plants and those nutrients that you're already getting in abundance just with the things that may be missing or hard to find. That's right. We, uh, you know, we've been working with uh, a lot of partners recently, and, and the, a lot of these people are people who have been vegan for a very long time or you know, and are pretty established in kind of the vegan community. Um, and what we found is that many of them have been taking, you know, basically the minimal uh, that you'd want, like B12, maybe some omegas. Um, but uh, I, we just keep hearing from people that everything has changed for them, like like things they didn't even realize were a problem are, are certainly they're feeling so much better now that they've been taking Kamala Plus, which has, of course, uh, some additional nutrients that are, that are critical and hard to find, but often less talked about, like you were saying. So it's just reassuring that uh, and reaffirming that we're doing the right thing, we're on the right path, and this is much more than uh, you know. We've done the research. We've we've, we've made a science-based approach with Complement Plus, and, and I'm so happy that we can provide it to the vegan community. So if you want to learn more, you go to lovecomplement.com, and um, we hope you check it out. With that, should we jump right into the interview? Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Matt. Welcome, Chef Mark Reinfeld. I'm so excited to welcome you here and uh, and to dig into one of my favorite topics, um, uh, which you are an expert in, but also uh, talk a little bit about your new school. Um, for those listening who are not uh, familiar with Chef Mark, um, you are a 2017 inductee to the Vegetarian Hall of Fame. That's super cool. Um, yeah. A multi-award winning chef and author of something like eight books, right? Uh, yeah. You've also uh, founded multiple restaurants and now a um, cooking school, which I really am excited to talk about and, and get into experience myself. And and over the last 25 years have been out there uh, cooking amazing plant-based dishes for, for the world. And, and I always say the, uh, the greatest way to inspire someone to make this sort of change is just put some good food in front of them and they'll realize how easy it is to eat this way, right? So totally, I'm, yeah. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks so much for making the time. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm really excited to be here. And just to clarify, it's not the same Hall of Fame that Mick Jagger is in. Sometimes there's confusion. It's the other one. Right, right. Uh, he is in the same. He's in both, though, I think. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I forgot. 
Um, so, uh, well, let, let's, where should we begin? Maybe uh, I, I've just given some highlights, but that certainly doesn't tell us the story of who Chef Mark is, how you became a chef. Um, I was doing a little research. We've been friends for years now, but I, I still like to educate myself on what is out there in the interwebs. And uh, I read there uh, some, some amazing things about your grandfather, including an yeah. oxygen tank and a chainsaw and an ice sculpture. So, so maybe you can kind of paint a picture. How, how did you know you wanted to become a chef? And, and please tell me if this story about your grandfather is true. <laughs> it is true. He was, car, he was a renowned chef and ice carver in the 50s in New York City, one of the first people to actually do like off-site catering for some of the big hotels and he is an expert ice carver he did a life-size Michelangelo for a gay club in Fort Lauderdale and very eccentric guy he would he did until his dying days he was in a wheelchair oxygen tank and a chainsaw carving ice so he was my first culinary influence and I always loved cooking as a child and so after uh doing a little bit of travel, traveling in Europe and uh, the Mideast and India and Nepal. I went to law school for a semester at NYU and realized that wasn't the path I wanted to take. So I packed up my bags and moved out west and I just started working in a kitchen in San Diego and just my natural love of cooking kind of, I just really enjoyed it. And that was in like the early nineties. So since then I've just been practicing on my own and I branched off after a few years and formed the Blossoming Lotus as a personal chef service and then I started servicing uh, corporate accounts doing chef trainings for places like the Peninsula Spa and Credit Suisse First Boston and Aspen's Explore Bistro I was kind of making my rounds and then I went to Hawaii for a two-week vacation and stayed for about eight years so it was uh pretty long two-week vacation, but that's when we opened up the Blossoming Lotus restaurant on Kauai. And then I started doing cookbooks, like you mentioned, we've done several cookbooks now. So the last one I did with my wife, Ashley Boudet, is a naturopathic doctor called the Ultimate Age Defined Plan, just to show people how easy it is to thrive and uh, stay fit and healthy on a plant-based diet. I think I'm doing pretty good for 80 years old, so I have to share my secrets with the world. You, you are, you are doing fantastic for your age. Um, that's an awesome story. And you're not the first person uh, who's told me that law school is a great place to figure out what you actually want to do. The number right. of people I've been told who go there and realize that's absolutely not what they want to do. Um, yeah. Also heard a few people say that they went to Hawaii for a vacation and ended up staying there. It's like a, a Bermuda triangle. Um, so, so what point uh, I assume your your grandfather was not plant-based. So you grew up with a love of cooking, but but in a traditional household, right, in terms of their yeah. food culture. When, when did you sort of make that transition? What was that journey like? Uh, it was actually after I graduated college. I took a year off. I deferred admission to NYU before I went to law school. So I traveled. I worked as an au pair in Paris. I hitchhiked from Amsterdam to Berlin. I went through Czechoslovakia during the revolution. And then I wound up on a kibbutz in Israel. And that's when I started really coming into contact with animals in their natural setting. And that's, I became vegetarian during that trip. 
and then was in India and Nepal, and that has a very much more vegetarian-friendly place to travel. So solidified it a little before coming back home. And then I went into working in commercial kitchens. So pretty much my whole professional career has been initially vegetarian, but then then vegan. And But you were working in a, a typical kitchen early in your career, but after being plant-based, was that tough to cook dishes with meat and dairy after kind of having that awakening? Well, I actually didn't. As soon as I was growing up, I, I mean, I worked front of house mainly growing up. It wasn't until after law school I went. It was a natural food store in San Diego. So when I started working, I was vegetarian. I didn't. Uh, it was actually a vegetarian health food store at the time. So fortunately, I didn't have to have that period that I know a lot of people do where their values aren't matching what they're cutting up and serving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can tell you just from from my own uh, perspective, we go uh, and eat at, you know, family or friends' houses, and it's just like a whole, I mean, it just kind of grosses me out. So I couldn't imagine if I had to handle those things. So I just, I wanted to ask, but. Yeah, um, it's a big, it's a big thing, and it's, we'll talk about the school, but that's a lot of the feedback we're getting is that people who have, dreamed of going to culinary school, but they didn't want to learn about butchering animals or having to work with meat. So it is, it provides that space for people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, uh, so just, just to finish the story, um, you uh, start a restaurant in Kauai. Um, why you ever left Hawaii, I'm not sure, maybe you can explain it, but you, you wind up now back in Boulder um, that restaurant was voted the best in in Kauai out of all restaurants, I believe, not just vegans. That's that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, um, but, but we yeah. Go ahead, please. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, that that was the distinction is that it was it wasn't best vegetarian restaurant. It was actually we were up compared to the five star hotels and all the meat based restaurants there. So I, I considered it a a coup for the vegan movement at the time. When, when we got that award. Yeah, that, that is amazing. Um, so, so finish the, the kind of history for us. How, what, what brought you back to Boulder and why a culinary school? What, 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 so, I mean. Yeah, so uh, the restaurant in Kauai, we closed in 2008 when everything was kind of going down with the economy. And then I started uh, traveling and teaching classes internationally. So I started doing these 10-day intensives uh, all through Hawaii, all over the mainland. I started doing five days in teacher trainings in Paris and London and all throughout, you know, the East Coast and Florida and, and uh, California and Oregon, and then developed a plant-based chef certification program. So the last 10 years or so, I've really been diving into the teaching part and doing like corporate, more corporate consulting for like big food providers like Aramark and Sodexo and Bon Appetit and uh, just doing a lot of consulting. And then my family, my mom and sister were in Boulder. My sister's been here over 30 years and my mom's been here 20 something years. So this has always been like a home base for me. And then when we had our first child, I realized like we wanted to be closer to my mom anyway, but also we needed like it was my theory was three adults per child is what you need. So we needed, we came back for family and then uh, 
as you know, met an amazing couple uh, who wanted to help support a cooking school. They're, they really liked the idea of training chefs on plant-based cuisine and having them go back to their small towns and cities and have them be able to introduce uh, you know, flavorful, exciting plant-based cuisine to their you know, communities. Right, right. It's kind of like a teacher man to fish strategy, right? If you, yeah, if you teach a, a chef to cook plants and then they can like spread out across the globe, you, you, you know, kind of get a chain reaction there. So I, I love it from that perspective. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, there, I think it's the ancient Chinese proverb. It goes like, if you give a person a block of tofu, you feed them for a day, but show them how to roast it, you feed them for a lifetime, Some, something like that. That is, I've, I've gotten that on a fortune cookie. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're absolutely right about that. Um, <laughs> so um, I do want to uh, talk a little bit about the school and the mission. And, and obviously, I, I really want to get in there. And I'm sure some of those uh, of our audience who are listening would be interested to learn more about it. But before we get there, you know, I'm talking to a, a chef, I, I have to get some some practical tips and tricks because you know the kitchen is intimidating and and like you just mentioned you know plants on their own aren't necessarily all that flavorful um you know they and for that matter they can be even more intimidating for folks who have not made that that transition yet and haven't picked up their their own sort of favorite dishes that they can yeah. whip up like that um mine are rather limited it's like quinoa pasta and smoothies, right? That's my, those are my go-tos. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, you know, I've watched my wife, who's really taken to the uh, um, the process to to this journey, and uh, and now you know, kind of prides herself on seeing a recipe and trying to like transition it or, or transform it to vegan. So um, my first question is, what is your recommendation for those who are intimidated by the kitchen? Someone who maybe doesn't go into the kitchen at all, you know, whether it's with their old diet or with this new plant-based diet, um, what, what, what's your guidance to them to get over that, that fear? What's the first step? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's, I, there's a lot of tips and tricks I offer, you know, to help people transition in that sense if you've really like never been in the kitchen before, but say you know you like a certain dish, you know, like you could, I would right now, given the lockdown and everything, just do a little Google search for the, the dishes that you know you like and put the word vegan in front of it and see what comes up. Cause now pretty much any animal-based dish has been veganized. So you could, if you love, uh, meatballs and spaghetti, just do a search for vegan meatballs and spaghetti. And then I would say, start with the, I, I've been trying in my recipes to cut the, the number of ingredients down. In the last book, I wanted to challenge myself. So they all have seven ingredients or less. So start with like a simple recipe like that. Hopefully it has clear instructions and just, you want to just read the recipe carefully, make sure you're, you know, following all the steps but a few, the successes will build on themselves. So, you know, it is, a lot of it is trial and error. And I think it is important to develop a sense of like belief that even if you have a bunch of duds that eventually you'll be able to get to the place where you can make something that you like. 
And that, uh, is that your 30 minute vegan cookbook? Uh, so 30 minute vegan, there's actually four books in the 30 minute vegan series. There's a 30 minute vegan taste of the East taste of Europe, which kind of veganizes a lot of all the European classics and uh soups on which, which is a uh, 30 minute vegan soups. Those have maybe 10, 12 ingredients. Uh, some may have a little more, but the ultimate age-defying plan, the last one, those have seven ingredients or less. And I've always been, I try to stick to that 30-minute time frame as much as I can. Uh, another really surprisingly good tip is uh, getting some spice blends together. So you could purchase, they sell like, you know, an Italian mix, you could get a Cajun mix, a French mix. I, in my books, I have like Ethiopian, Moroccan, all different spice blends that you could keep in a jar. So your pasta did, you could cook some pasta, put some olive oil and garlic in it, and then put a sprinkle of this spice mix in. And then you all of a sudden you have like a Moroccan pasta salad, Ethiopian, Cajun, you know, just, just by mixing the spices in. So keeping it simple, starting with, you know, humble ambitions and then just slowly building on it are, are tips and then I do smoothies are the other thing that I like to recommend for people to do like a superfood smoothie in the morning where they could get a good put these superfood add-ons in and get their their nutrients for the day awesome uh yeah it's amazing you know I had never followed a recipe my mom's a great cook. And so growing up, you know, you just kind of through osmosis, learn how to cook an omelet, right? And you right. can survive just knowing like by sight, like how you cook something, you know, and, and there was a few things like, I, you know, I could cook on the grill, but, but I, I actually went vegetarian in high school. And so um, the grill, like, I mean, I, I grill vegetables, but like, right. you know, you can't really um, so it was funny to me, you know, I, I think I was in my thirties before I actually opened up a cookbook and, and it is remarkable. Like it's not that hard if you just, I mean, if, if you can read the language in which the cookbook is written, like, and you follow the steps, which by the way is hard for me, you know, I skip things. I don't like to measure. <laughs> I want to move too fast, you know? Yeah. So, so it's not, it's not easy for everybody, but I will encourage folks to like, truly like you know if there's seven steps in a process right and then there's eight ingredients like you know anyone can do it i mean yeah. again you might not do it well especially not the first time or if you're like me who refuses to use a measuring cup it may not come out exactly right but yeah. uh <laughs> it's the, the other thing yeah the other thing now is like and i know some people have are not crazy about what i like to call the analog products those are, I like to call those transition foods. So that's the, the vegan versions of the different meats. They have the cheeses, milks, yogurts. I mean, there's so much uh, innovation and evolution in that. And even just the last five or 10 years that if you're coming from like a standard American diet, I do, I think those play an important role. And uh, even now with two kids, I, I full confession, I, I do... Uh, mix some of those in as well like they have the frozen meatball Gar you know guardian's a good company just open the jar of sauce vegan meatballs cook some pasta steam some broccoli handful of lettuce or something like that and there's a lot of ways that you could create really good tasting food 
uh, quickly now that's plant-based. So yeah, that, yeah, that's my full disclosure there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you, man. Uh, last night, actually, we literally, it was uh, um, one of those nights where we were late to make dinner and we just needed something simple. And we actually used uh, Beyond Meat's ground beef alternative. I don't know yeah. what they call it, actually. Uh, it's yeah. obviously not ground beef. Um, but it, it was pretty good. That was one of the first times I had, we had used it. And, and, you know, literally it was like, you know, um, my, my wife has a gluten intolerance. So we used the Bonza chickpea mm -hmm. pasta, yeah. you know, can of tomato sauce and, uh, and this ground beef substitute. And you've got like kind of a meaty bolognese thing going. Totally. So it, it yeah, and you know, and 10 minutes. The eggs right? <laughs> also now there's uh, I don't know if you tried the just eggs, yeah, and they have really these good. egg sandwiches that we've been trying. They're they're they've come so far that and they're really good. Mainly we we're, we're on the whole food plant based diet, and for that, what I like to encourage people, the, my go to is basically what I like to call a monk bowl, and that's a grain, a green, and a protein. And the style of teaching I like to do is what I call template recipe. So you look at the general formula of a recipe. And by changing the components, you create a new recipe. So with the monk bowl, you can rotate through like different kinds of rice, rice pasta, grains like millet, quinoa. The greens are any vegetable or combination of vegetables of your choosing. And you could have those raw, steamed, roasted, grilled. And then the protein, we rotate through tempeh, tofu, and beans and legumes. And so to that, you could add a homemade or a store-bought like barbecue sauce or teriyaki or peanut. And then you could say, what did you have for dinner this week? And you said, I had a monk bowl every night, but it could be, you could hit, you know, all the world cuisine pretty, pretty easily with that. Yep. No, we're big believers in uh, what we call the, the meal blueprints. And it's exactly <laughs> that, right? You know, you get a, a base, a topping, a sauce, and, you know, endless variety. Um, Certainly, that's the way I eat, right? Um, just different sauces on top of quinoa. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, awesome. Uh, what What is, you, you kind of mentioned this, or may, maybe you mentioned this, but uh, the question is, when you don't have any time, right? And you just mentioned you've got little ones running around and you need to whip something up really quickly. What What's your go-to meal? Is it, is it a, a monk bowl or what's the easiest, simple, quick, but still tastes good and fills you up? Yeah, usually. So, I mean, in that case, I do, the my default is a monk bowl. So it could be, I like, uh, there's some really good uh, gluten-free pasta we like to use, like rice pasta or quinoa pasta. You just cook that up, cut up a bunch of vegetables. Uh, you could put them in the the oven just like with the drizzle of oil and, and roast them and then I would do like tofu or tempeh in the toaster oven with a little marinade and sauce and that could really be done in like 20 minutes a meal like that and just by changing up either steaming the veggies or roasting them or doing chopped raw you could do you could throw a can of chickpeas in with the vegetables while they're roasting so then you only have two pans to clean your uh so you make some basmati rice and then you cut up some veggies, open a can of chickpeas, put it in the oven. You just have your the rice pot in that one pan and you've hit all those components. So that's definitely the go-to. 
Speaking my language, I, I, you know, a measure of success is how few dishes I have to do once the kids are asleep, right? Right, uh, <laughs> right, totally. Um, and uh, all right, two, two more uh, questions. Um, what, what is uh, your favorite dish to impress, but that doesn't actually take a ton of time and skill to create. So if you're like, you know, if I want to impress my wife by cooking dinner, like what, what's the easy, but like it, it really, you know, it, it looks good. It tastes good. Like people are impressed by it. Is there, maybe that's too hard or unfair to ask a chef. No, that's okay. I mean, I, do you have one? If, yeah, you could, I mean, a lot of it is in the presentation. So I like doing Thai curries or nice and you could get like a Jasmine rice and put it on a ring mold, you know, so your presentation is nice. I like, personally, I like doing uh, these crusted, encrusted cutlets. So you could make like, uh, and using a template, basically the, the cutlet could be tofu, it could be a portobello mushroom, oyster mushrooms, it could be a eggplant steak or a zucchini steak. And using that idea of a template, you rotate through your cutlet. And then I, I love making these like crust, nut and seed crust using those spice blends so like doing personally i like doing the macadamia coconut with my hawaiian background and so doing uh you could just process chop it up or process it in the food processor for the holidays i like doing like a toasted pecan crust and you could put some favorite your favorite spices in with some fresh herbs and then for sauce it depends on how much time you want to spend you know you could do like a simple roasted red pepper sauce of just roasting red peppers, taking the skin off, and then blending it with a little uh, toasted coconut and balsamic vinegar. And that makes a really nice bright red sauce. So a lot of it is like kind of the presentation, the colors, the different textures, things like that. That is a great answer. And uh, <laughs> yeah, cr crushing up some pecans or uh, um, I, I imagine some of those encrusted recipes are in your cookbooks as well. If I, if I need to go look. Yeah, the, uh, the Taste of Europe book, I actually got the recipe of the year award for a, it was a, a Mediterranean pistachio crusted tofu with a saffron quinoa pilaf. So with that, I, the topping, instead of doing a sauce, it had like, artichoke hearts, heart of palm, capers, uh, fresh herbs, uh, olives. And it, so it was, it was a nice, uh, nice presentation. That's yeah, that uh, you're inspiring me. I have, I have most of your cookbooks back when we met years ago, mm -hmm. I, I went on Amazon and bought them. Oh, nice. Admittedly, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't opened uh, them, but they're there. My wife might have, uh, <laughs> Um, but no, I'm, I'm truly, I'm, I'm thinking I might, uh, I might try one of these encrusted little dishes. I, I think it's exactly what I was looking for. I can handle it, right? Portable and mushrooms, slap to, it up with get, some. To get it to, uh, the crust to stick to the cutlet, I like doing a little mixture of, uh, you could do just tahini and lemon juice and thin it out a little and put it on there and then the crust will adhere to that really nicely. Awesome. Um, uh, that's great. Thank you. Um, uh, two, two quick ones. Uh, and then I want to make sure we leave some time to, to talk about the school. Um, uh, what's your favorite kitchen tool? That's a good one. Uh, I would say 
I mean, you could go really far with a good knife and a cutting board. So if you, if I were alone on a desert island, that's probably what I would go for. Then uh, we use a Vitamix, a blender a lot. And if you're going to get into especially wanting to do like really cr creamy smoothies and getting into more raw food, I'd say the Vitamix, you know, good solid blender is up there. I would Fair say, enough. you know, that the functional ones I like, I like the citrus the hand citrus ones. I have like this finger uh, vegetable peeler I like. So microplane zester, you know, there, there's a lot of cool ones. I, I can only imagine what your kitchen looks like, the gadget. So that's why I, I had to ask, but yeah. spoken like a true chef, you, you know, a good knife, that's all you need, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so this is actually my, my last question, but um, you've also done a lot in terms of raw food. And that's a question that I, I often have. Um, I, I try to eat a lot that is raw, right? Um, and, and we get a lot of questions from folks who wonder, what, what's the deal with raw? Is it worth it? Um, for those, before we get into all that, I, I can maybe sum up the science that says, you know, if you eat food as close to nature's, you know, the, the way nature made it, um, you preserve all those nutrients and the live enzymes and, and good bacteria and everything else. And, and so that's what proponents of a raw diet are, you know, for me, I just, I try to eat a lot of fresh fruits and those are naturally like uncooked. Right. And, right. and obviously, uh, you know, I, I can probably do better in terms of eating raw vegetables. I admittedly probably don't do that as much as I should. Although I throw cauliflower and broccoli and, all sorts of greens into my smoothies. So nice. that, that's how I get my, my raw, but that, um, that aside, <laughs> yeah, Hey, that's the only way. Right. Um, uh, uh, and that's how I sneak it into my, my son's diet. Right. Um, you know, if you, you pack it full of, uh, of fruit, you know, he'll, he'll drink, you know, smoothies all day. And I know that they have all sorts of cruciferous vegetables and leafy greens. So nice. it makes me feel good. Um, but anyway, uh, for those who are interested in raw, you know, what, what's your tip? Um, do you suggest people explore that cooking at home? I mean, I've had some fantastic raw meals, you know, raw uh, lasagna, which I could never make at home ever, you know, it's, Matthew it's Kenny type stuff, you know? <laughs> well, okay. So tell us like if, if yeah. I, you could probably spend an hour on that education, but just give us uh, the cliff notes. Where, where do you begin if you're interested in exploring that? I would just say uh, eat a big salad is <laughs> a good way to just start getting more creative with your salads and what you include in them. Like you mentioned, just changing the way you cut the vegetables. You could get a spiralizer to make like a zucchini pasta, uh, putting an avocado in. If you do want to get into raw foods, like the strong blender can allow you to make a cashew cream, which is to me, that's one of the most versatile techniques because you could make cheese, sour cream, you could go all the way and make like dessert creams with it. And then using it as a template, you could replace the cashews with uh, macadamia nuts, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds. And so just being able to blend up a nut into a puree like that gives you a lot of options. And then a food processor is the next thing if you really want to start putting a lot of raw foods in beyond what you could cut because then you could start making the pates uh which that's where you're getting you know you could get a lot of protein and 
good fats from doing a nut and seed pate mixed with vegetables. And then if you make that and just put a scoop on your salad, it could transform where you, what the big thing with people that when they're switching from cooked to rods, there's a certain heaviness or satiation you get from a cooked meal that if you just have a salad, you're not really going to get it. So if you do put like an avocado on there and then some of this pate uh, or even use like a sprouted bread that's available uh, to give you some of that bulk. It's, I recommend kind of slowly going there unless for some reason you want to do like a big deep dive. Right, right. Which would be my style, but uh, I, yeah. <laughs> well, one of these days I'm going to learn because I've had such fantastic raw meals. I mean, like raw yeah. muffins, you know, which are these most dense, you know, uh, amazing tasting things. And yet, yeah. You know, it's uh, $18 at a store right. in Malibu, California that I'll never visit again. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Gotta, yeah. Gotta well, learn. that's funny because the first uh, place I did consulting was the health food store in Malibu, uh, Pacific Coast Green. So that could have been my uh, $18 <laughs> muffin you were trying. But, uh, <laughs> totally um, worth it, by the way. Totally <laughs> worth it. But uh, yeah, just not a sustainable habit, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, um, really, just if you soak. Uh, sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds and letting them get soft and you puree them then using that template idea you could start putting in put a carrot in then try it with the beet put a you know some corn in different times and then do your global seasoning so you have your italian herbs and seasoning so you could do an italian you know pumpkin pate or a mexican sunflower seed pate just by changing up those, those components Awesome. Um, maybe I'll just come to your house. That, that seems easier. <laughs> well, come to um, our school. <laughs> that's a great segue. Thank you. So, so of course, we, we mentioned briefly the mission to educate chefs. They'll take it back to their hometowns, their restaurants, where we're getting more people to eat more plants. But um, for those who are listening who, who may be interested, um, is this for home cooks? Is this for only the professionals? Just tell us. Tell us more about the school. Cool. So, well, thanks for asking. So we're building out a state-of-the-art facility with all brand new equipment, and it's going to be all vegan equipment. It hasn't been, you know, repurposed after using our meat dishes. So it's we're building out a full professional kitchen and a full home chef, home cook kitchen. And, and we have a lecture area in the back. So the main program we're doing is a four-month uh, it's going to be state accredited and we're working on national accreditation for it for us, those that want a career in the plant-based culinary world. So we're keeping it to uh, 16 students per semester and we really want to mentor people in the direction they want to go. So we've had people who want to do restaurants or a food truck or they want to become consultants or go in the catering or become private chefs. So with the program is designed, it's going to be five days a week, uh, six and a half hours a day with uh, visiting guest chefs. We're going to have my wife, Ashley's going to do an eight part food as medicine uh, component to it to give people the basics of kind of the why of plant based nutrition. We're going to have community members, uh, business members from the community come in and give, uh, we'll have business insights. So whether it's how to read a P&L or uh, do food costs and 
or you know what goes into running a food truck or running a catering business we're going to really custom tailor that program so that's that's our big that's our main focus right now our first semester is starting uh january 18th and we just just started accepting applicants for that we're, we're almost full but we do have a few more spots for that the other type of program we're going to do is for professional chefs and those are people that have been around the block they have the you know the taco place down the road but they want to throw a few vegan items on there that those are going to be one to five day trainings for professional chefs to learn how to incorporate plant-based foods into their menu and that i'm really excited about that program as well that's the type of consulting i've been doing so and uh, chef ron pekarski is like one of the the legends in the vegan culinary world he's local and he's going to be teaching at the school and helping with that program too and then the other program is going to be similar to what i've been doing all these years where we're going to have evening classes like date night thai cooking classes vegan vegan desserts and weekend workshops up to five and 10 day trainings for those non-professionals, but those that just want to kind of grasp the, the full range of uh, vegan and raw food cuisine. So that's, those are the three main focuses. And then we will, we do have enough space to host uh, book signings and movie, movie screenings and uh, like support nonprofits like uh, John Pierre coming in and doing a, uh, talks and having our you know we've over the years we have a lot of friends in the in the industry who have agreed to come by and share share their expertise so it's going to be a real community center that focuses essentially on the plant-based lifestyle and all the the amazing uh, aspects of it oh amazing much more comprehensive than i even thought and uh and just for those listening to emphasize this, this is a real school it's a space we've got the giant word vegan on the side of a, a side of a building which is so awesome uh yeah i mean i was and, thinking about that because it is like we were it's i my company has been vegan fusion for for all these years but just for me having it not hiding about what we are and really to see that on a sign to me is like is pretty cool <laughs> yeah it's so cool and uh <laughs> And then for those, um, I know you guys are taking a lot of precautions related to COVID um, and it's difficult to cook or to, to teach cooking, you know, uh, digitally, but are there opportunities or further down the line, do you imagine opportunities where, you know, if I'm living in New York and I can't make it out to, to Boulder to participate in person, is there going to be an opportunity to do uh, something or can I support in other ways? Yeah, so we're we're primarily focusing on the in-person right now. We do have the capacity to do live streaming throughout the space in both the professional and the home kitchen. So we're taking all the precautions that we can with COVID. It's it's a pretty big space, so we're confident with the number of students that we could keep. I mean, it's going to be in January, so we'll see, you know, it's changing all the time, but our plan is to just operate as safely as we can with following all the guidelines of the CDC and the health department. And then we will have the capacity for in-person, in-home learning if we need to pivot and do that. And then as, as we proceed, there, there should be 
a bunch of things that people could at least view view online and we'll we'll have the opportunity to do that awesome well i am so looking forward to getting down there myself um more importantly probably uh asking my wife um who you know adriana uh because she'll take to it a lot quicker than i will probably but um what what else uh are there any parting words before we wrap up um of course, it's it's veganfusionculinaryacademy.com. We're also going to be, is that correct? Yeah, vegan fusion, veganfusionacademy.com gets you ah, there. Okay. So veganfusion.com gets you there, but also, but uh, veganfusionacademy.com is, is the main uh, website and that you can learn all about the different programs and the guest instructors and our team and uh, just we have a lot of luminaries in the plant-based world that are waiting to come and participate. Uh, Fran Costigan is first online to come in for de vegan desserts, and Miyoko has ag agreed to come in to do a cheese workshop. So we're, we'll be featuring a lot of the people that I'm, I'm sure you, you and your audience have heard about. Awesome, um, and we'll be sending out an email as well. So be sure to to uh, keep an eye on your inbox in case you're on a run or driving while listening right now and, mm -hmm. and can't write down um, that URL. And uh, by the way, Chef Ron, you taught me this. Um, he won like a, a medal in the Culinary Olympics, right? Yeah. He culinary was, Olympics? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, there's Culinary Olympics and he was the first person to win a medal for vegan food side by side of non-vegan food so it's it's a pretty big accomplishment he was actually my i didn't go to school but i had his cookbooks when i was learning in the early 90s to cook on my own so in some way i consider him a mentor and to have him come and be part of the school and be excited about it. and he lives here locally is uh it's another thing that i'm really really excited about that's awesome. I, I was just looking at my notes and realized I forgot to bring up uh, the fact, yeah, that we have a, a vegan in the Culinary Olympics, the fact that there are Culinary Olympics, pretty <laughs> awesome. So um, th thank you so much, Mark, for, for sharing all these tips. I actually truly you know, feel a desire to go try that, uh, um, that encrusted template that you brought up. Um, I have no idea what ingredients we have, but I'm going to go play around in the kitchen. So thank you so much for spending the time with us. Sure, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Look forward to seeing you there in person. Absolutely.